regardless of where you are in your walk today with God, you must constantly draw nearer to Him. It's truer for you and it's truer for me now today more than ever it has before. Because there is a constant battle, folks, a constant battle that we must fight until our last breath. And that fight is a fight against ourself, against our selfish nature. From the moment the serpent in the garden of Eden said this, he said, Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say that? Another way that he is saying that is he's saying, Don't you want to be your own God? Don't you know better than God? Don't you want it? Your way. Well, God didn't create this earth like Burger King to have it your way. It's His way. And with that one question, God allowed. Because remember, nothing happens that God doesn't allow. God allowed a gap to be created between Him and His precious creation. His children. Between Adam and Eve and the Creator. Not the relationship. It's rock solid. But the fellowship, and you know the story of Adam and Eve, and we are still fighting that curse today, but no matter how good or bad a person you are, that gap still exists today. And the assumption is that we all may, uh, tonight is everyone has found the bridge to cross that gap. The assumption is in a meeting like this tonight of churches, of an association, that everyone has found the bridge of the gap. And that is Jesus Christ himself. In Romans 5, 8 says, But God proves his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I don't want to assume anything. And you never know. There may be somebody here tonight that God is knocking at the door of your heart. Or if nothing else, there may be somebody here that's dealing with that space between themselves and God. I guarantee the churches you represent have people within that congregation that are there. I myself go through moments of dry spells, and you do too, if we were to be honest, to where that gap seems bigger one day than it is another. We know the bridge is there. We know Jesus is there. But there is still a constant pull. And I have found that bridge of Jesus Christ, that saving grace that many of you have too. But the kicker here is that the pull of ourselves, the pull of our selfishness is still real and alive today. And if you are pulled today by your selfishness, you are in good company because there was a guy named Paul who was an apostle and he was pulled by self. Matter of fact, he says in Romans 7 verses 21 through 24, he says, I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me. There is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and self? You see, Paul knew that gap. Paul owned that gap. Paul gave that gap to God and said he needed help. And so he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me 
from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Then he says, thank God for the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So I stand before you today, not only as a pastor of Holman Park Baptist Church, not only as a husband to Donna Strickland, but as a sinner before God. For all have sinned and not fail, but fall short of God's glorious standard. And so what we see here is that the pull is real and the pull is great. And Satan wants to draw you away from your relationship with God no matter who you are. Pastors and lay leadership, hear me tonight. Satan will use well-meaning people to pull you away from God. Satan will use hurtful people to pull you away from God. Satan will use your busy schedules to pull you away from God. He will even use family commitments to pull you away from God. And to be quite honest, if we're honest with ourselves, Satan will use our selfish ambition. An attitude of comparison between our ministry and another ministry. Our preacher and another preacher. Satan doesn't mind using that. Satan will use your weaknesses. We know that. But what we fail to forget is that Satan will also use your strengths against you. The truth is Satan does not play fair. But your greatest weapon in your relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. So real quick, I want us to look. If you brought your Bibles, look at James chapter 4 with me, verses 1 through 10. There is a surefire way that if you have that gap in your life, and if you are dealing with that gap, or if your people are dealing with that gap, these are not things that I've come up with. This is the Word of God. And it says, and the first thing we see is that your greatest enemy is yourself. I will say this real quick. Is Satan omnipresent and all-powerful and all-knowing? No, he is not. All he can do is take what God has created and pervert it. He cannot be everywhere all the time, but there is another force at work within us, which is our sinful nature. And he says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Now, remember, he was writing this to church folks. (laughs) And he says, Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, says you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war and take war away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what gives you pleasure. Or for the pastors in the room, maybe a little recognition. I can only meddle because I'm talking to myself. He says in verse 4, you adulterers. Yes, he's calling the people in the church adulterers. Not that we're cheating on our spouse, but we are cheating on God. And he says, don't you realize that... Friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate and that his spirit he placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. But God gives grace, or God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Real quick, if you want a quick point, number one, the source of wars among us are from our deep passions that are at war within our hearts. The Bible says clearly in Jeremiah 17.9 that our hearts, above all else, are wicked. There will always be wars, fights, violence, and crime because there is a constant war within our hearts. When you hear somebody that says, well, I just feel it in my heart, buddy, you better complement that with Scripture and prayer and the counsel of godly people. Number two, you desire what you do not have. Our wars may be internal ones. Conflicts between what we have and what we want. Conflicts between what we want others to have. Some of you this morning or evening are at war with yourselves because your life isn't what you want it or God is acting in the way that you don't think he should. Now, I'm sure God is open to your suggestions. God, if you really knew what was going on, you do this. No, that does not happen that way. God does not have a suggestion box. But here's the point. If you have these internal conflicts, what I want you to see is that your internal wars grow to the point to where they become external wars. How many examples do we need to see of people of faith that have gotten platforms and fell miserably, morally, financially, because there was something that started small that eventually came out? And don't say, well, that'll never happen to me, preacher. Never say never. Warren Wiersbe said, the essence of sin is selfishness. So pastors, let me ask you something. Will you lead your church to where God wants it to be with your hand on the back handle of the door? You cannot lead your church with your hand, your hand on the handle of the back door. There's no escape plan. There's no plan B. It's like the black preacher said one time, when I go to a church, I don't get to an apartment, I buy the house. We got to invest. Church members and lay leaders that are here, you will never see all that God wants your church to be if you are comparing it with another one rather than serving in the one that God has placed you in. Our greatest enemy in the reflection of ourselves is the mirror. Selfishness will get our lives out of alignment every time. Remember, it says in verse 3, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't receive according to his name. And then we see in verse 6 that humility combats selfishness. It says he gives grace generously. And then finally we see, well, how do we draw closer to God? James 4, 7 through 10 tells us, he says, and this is a hard pill to swallow. So humble yourselves before God. It's kind of hard for us preachers to humble ourselves, isn't it? Usually there's plenty of people to help us with that. But the truth of the matter is, we've got to humble ourselves before God. Not before the deacons, not before the committees, not before the expectation of others. We humble ourselves before God, resist the devil, and he might flee from you. No, that's not what it says. He will flee from you. And then here's the the crux of tonight. Come or draw close to God. That's, That's the command. And then the promise is God will come or draw close to you. But if you want that to happen, you've got to wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. So humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. This keeps the gap of fellowship between God and us strong. 
if we humble ourselves and do this. I'll close with this illustration. When I was a child, my parents took us camping. I wouldn't call it camping. You'd probably call it glamping because we had uh, a nice trailer, air conditioning, and all that kind of stuff. But when, as soon as Dad would drop me off, I'd be looking for my campground friends. But I always knew in the afternoon that when I saw my dad riding around with that red bicycle, I knew I better get close to him. Because, number one, if I didn't, I'd get in trouble. But, number two, he was getting me for dinner. And I knew if I were to draw close to him, I would end up home and get a great meal with a great family. Folks, we need to draw close to God when we see him. And not let the other things draw our attention. Because, in hindsight, I don't miss my campground friends. I miss my time with my father. Don't let anything pull you away from your heavenly father. So draw closer to God. Don't look at your external external forces as greater than the Jesus who is in you. Yes, your work is difficult. Yes, the community you serve in is a difficult community. And yes, people can hurt you. But if God called you to serve where you are in whatever capacity you serve, he will give you the strength to continue it until he releases you. So please take away the truth that James taught us tonight, that no matter how close or far away you are from God, continue to draw closer to God, and he will draw closer to you. Amen.